Welcome to GPS for Life for you. I'm excited that you have joined us in our, our teaching uh, today. You know, God is so amazing and his word is truly uh, such, such a blessing for those that are willing to take the time, not just to read God's word, but to, to study, to study God's word. And so that's why, you know, God had given us uh, the, uh, the title of GPS for Life for You, which basically stands for God Provides Solutions for Life for You, that we can take God's word and we can make it personal because we serve a big God, but he is not too big to be personal and relate to what uh, we are facing and give us counsel through through his, his word. And so uh, recently we have been doing a, a study of the Apostle Paul and in his uh, teachings and trainings to, uh, to the church, and especially to the church of uh, Corinth. And we know that the church of Corinth, they had, uh, they had many, many problems. They had isms and schisms and uh, numerous, numerous debates and things that they could not uh, unify on concerning their leaders, concerning you know meat that was sacrificed to idols, you, you name it, it seemed to be uh, something that would tend to come up uh, where they could not agree. And the latest uh, thing that we were studying in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul was admonishing this church concerning uh, the, their, uh, their worship, particularly uh, concerning communion. Because what they were indeed, uh, what they were indeed deeming to be communion, you know, partaking of uh, the, the bread and partaking of the cup, uh, the manner in which they were doing it actually uh, was anything far from what it, it should, should be. And so uh, there was a research and discussion question that kind of stemmed from that teaching that really stood out to me. And that's where I want to devote uh, most of our time uh, tonight, because I, I think it's just so, uh, so crucial. We see it just permeating our, our culture. Uh, we, and it is just so prevalent, so prevalent in, in our society today that I do think it warrants, uh, warrants the teaching. Now, now, granted, uh, some of you may argue it appears that we live in a time, in fact, where so many people are not open, uh, open to teaching. But, you know, that is that is not that is not wise. You know, the Bible says that those that won't receive rebuke or teaching that that, that they are just really not wise, that that is a, a foolish position to take. And so we'll just pray through those that have that position that you're not the boss of me or they don't need uh, extra teaching or counsel. But I bless God for those of you that have taken the time out to set this as a priority, to dig into God's word a little deeper, that we can come up higher and know uh, the things that God speaks to us, that he reveals to us about how we can walk in victory, how we can live a life that is, is pleasing uh, to him. So Tonight, I'm going to speak uh, particularly about uh, confronting the issue of selfishness in the congregation. Now, this was one of the things that, that Paul had to deal with concerning the matter of, of communion. Um, and Paul gave us a great example, I believe, in the way we should deal with it. Uh, basically, Paul dealt with it head on. You know, he didn't, he didn't mince words. 
but he did speak, you know, the truth in, in love. So he uh, would remind uh, the, the congregation, remind the believers of what God's desire was, how they were falling short, but how they could correct the, the, the situation. You know, so he helped the listeners, as I hope to do tonight, understand how selfishness displeases God. In fact, it would be considered somewhat the antithesis to the very essence of what Christianity is. Christianity is about love. It's about selflessness and valuing others uh, more highly than, than yourself. And if you want to turn to a, a scripture that supports that, if you would, right now you can uh, go to Philippians, the book of Philippians, go to the second, the second chapter there of Philippians and down to the third verse. And it simply says this, it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Verse four says, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. And five, where I'll stop, finally says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And that is the, the NIV translation. And it reminds us that the very essence of following Christ is not to be so consumed in ourselves, but to walk in love, to value others actually more than, than ourselves. And so it's based on that premise that we find Paul is rebuking the Corinthian church uh, about the manner in which they celebrated communion. Now, when we think of communion, we think of that as a holy sacrament, uh, something that is, is done in reflection and remembrance of uh, the finished work that Christ did on the cross uh, for us as we partake in the bread and we partake of the cup. Now, the communion celebration in the early church uh, was a little different than how we celebrate now. So what actually happened in the, in the early church the communion would be a part of what they would call a love feast celebration. Now, the love feast celebration was likened to kind of a potluck supper, potluck meal that we know today. So everyone would bring something and they would have like the celebration feast. And within that feast, they would also partake of the bread and partake of, of the cup. And because they didn't have uh, sanctuaries or church buildings like we do today, they would meet typically in, in each other's homes. And usually that would be the homes of the wealthy members who uh, would have the space to uh, allow for the gathering. But what was happening during this love celebration, this love feast, is that many times those, uh, the wealthy members who hosted the events, they would find themselves indulging on the best food and, and drink even to the point of drunkenness. And this left very little or nothing behind for the poor by the time you know, they arrived. And so Paul here then uh, is reminding them that this kind of behavior is in no way a reflection of the heart of God. And so that they therefore missed the true reason as to why they were participating in, in what should have been a sacred, a sacred occasion. So the focus then uh, should have ultimately been on, on God, you know, what he had done through Christ Jesus, 
uh, of the sacrifice and the atonement of our sin. But instead, uh, what they were doing is that they were more focused on their own indulgences and satisfying the flesh. So you might be thinking now, wow, it's like how, you know, how could, how could they do that? Really? Uh, but if we're honest, if we're honest, you know, we may at times act, act similarly. And you think, well, how is that? You know, we don't, I don't shun or I don't believe that we, we shun certain believers because of the, you know, their status. We don't let that impact the, the way that people, you know, part, participate and, and we let every believer uh, participate. Uh, we don't shun anyone from uh, participating uh, than uh, that would like to partake of, of, of the sacrament. But just think about it. There are times, though, that we definitely that we definitely start focusing more on ourselves than Jesus as we even partake of, of the sacraments. Think about this. You know, how many times have you been a part of maybe a congregation uh, or a part of the sacrament meal? Maybe when or you've heard discussions that some believe it's not really uh, it is not authentic if you don't really serve real wine in the cup. But some say, no, we must use grape juice. Some say, well, you know, I prefer soft bread. Some like, no, I want the hard bread. Others say, we, oh, no, we've got to have unleavened bread. And others like, no, we must have fresh baked bread. But, you know, all of those things, all of those things are just simply driven by the works of the flesh and put the focus on us and not on God. And this should not be, be the case. The sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf should always be first and foremost in, in our minds during the communion sacrament or in anything that we do that's supposed to be a representation of, of Christ. So uh, I began to think kind of out of the box and beyond communion as I was preparing for this teaching. And another modern day example came to mind uh, where we see this type of, of sacred sort of slash sacrilege secular tango going on, where we see this entanglement, this intertwining of an occasion that's supposed to be sacred, but yet we see this intertwining with sacrilege or, or secular, uh, secular uh, behaviors. And that is in, in our modern day, in our wedding ceremonies and, and reception celebrations. You know, uh, today people spend tens and, and hundreds of thousands of dollars for wedding ceremonies. And, you know, many times uh, the ceremony is in uh, a, a fish, a site that's held in a church or sanctuary place of worship officiated by, you know, by a, a cleric, you know, and this noting to, uh, those that are getting married or they're believing that it's uh, it's a, 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 sanct a sanctified sort of occasion, uh, if you will. And so therefore, by doing so, that their union will be blessed simply because they are holding it in in the church. You know, yet, you know, much of the, the money and time that is devoted is spent for this 15, maybe to 20 minute ceremony where scripture, yes, may be quoted. There may be homilies or sermonettes given, vows and communion even uh, exchange. Prayers are, are offered. 
uh, all of this, which seems very spiritual and, and very much maybe uh, pointing in a sacred direction, but only to turn uh, 360 degrees by the time we get to the reception, which then takes a turn to glorify the indulgences of the flesh on so many levels. And, and I won't even get into that uh, tonight. But why would the day not be considered sacred from start to finish? And I just want to kind of leave you with that uh, as kind of a Selah moment. If something, an occasion is deemed to be sacred, it would seem that it should be sacred from start to finish, that we don't start it off sacred and then somehow midway we can transition and we can mix in a little bit of the secular and, and then somehow think that, you know, that is, that's pleasing, pleasing to God. You know, on all levels, our heart should be that whatever we do, that we do it as unto the Lord, that he is pleased with, with whatever, whatever we, we do. So I just wanted to, to throw that out uh, just for, for, for thought as we were, you know, talking about the, the, the need to have a heightened awareness, if you will, concerning the, the way in which we approach God or even the things that we proclaim our sacred, that if we're not careful, if we get too much of ourselves and begin to focus more on ourselves and our wants, we can veer off that path of, of holiness very, very quickly and, and, and find ourselves really uh, on the outskirts, if you will, uh, with something that, that should be honoring God that now is just feeding feeding our, our flesh. So if we uh, can transition uh, briefly in our, our discussion here, I, I want to, to close out on another point to kind of tie this in about this message of, of selfishness, which as I said, is so pervasive uh, in the world today. And unfortunately, even in the church and among, among believers. Uh, and it's important, though, it's important that we have this conversation. We have to have this conversation about selfishness, because in all reality, basically,